Hey, let's bow together. Father, we're thankful that the Bible is uh, so full of things that we can learn, things by which we can grow. Lord, may we never lose our desire to learn, to find out new things, to uh, deepen our love and our appreciation of your word and the people that make it special. And we're thankful for Joe and his, um, his just his knowledge of all these things and, and how it uh, makes the Bible just all the more interesting. We pray, Lord, you bless us and guide us through this time. Be, be with uh, uh, the family, Lord, the Glenn family, that uh, you can just see them through and take them at one day at a time. God bless us, Lord, at this time. These things we ask in that name. Amen. Okay. Uh, it, it, the, the things that we go through, or that we have gone through and will go through, um, are, are they're, they're not hidden things. They're not, uh, they're not buried someplace. You have to dig them up. They're pretty much laying around the edges. We just don't get out our good bright lights very often to kind of look at them because they'd stare back at us if we did. Um, so uh, I, I view what we're doing, and I, I said this last week and I sincerely mean this, that um, I am one who believes that uh, we, are not, uh, we are not studying trivia uh, for, mm -hmm. some, uh, for some uh, trivia contest someday. That, uh, that the more that we learn, uh, the closer we can come to the people of the Bible, the more our own sense of who we are is enriched. And the better we are able to know the kinds of role models that have preceded us. And while we focus on the heroes of the Bible, uh, the apostles and, um, and Paul, and uh, the great uh, heroes of the Old Testament. Um, the premise of what we're doing, and, and even in our short couple of weeks together, uh, we only just scratched the surface of this because uh, uh, these names that just appear, uh, sometimes in lists, sometimes because Paul says, say hello to, or so-and-so sends you greetings, Behind every single one of those names is a story, and a story which, uh, in effect, um, will speak to us if we ask it to speak to us. Um, and you will quickly learn that in the age of the internet, we have abilities to find out things easily that we could never find out so easily in the past. It is remarkable. So uh, the ten people that uh, that I have uh, that I'd like to spend some time on are people that uh, that I think have left uh, uh, significant marks on the church of that uh, first and second century. Um, and uh, are there others? My goodness, on every page there are others. Uh, some that we are going to talk about. We're going to meet a few that you've never heard of because we only have them referred to once or twice and so they escape our our view uh, some of the others like the ones tonight do not do not escape our view though we never stop 
long enough to take a really close look at who they are and what they did. And that's what we're, that's what we're doing. Uh, I want to do this. Uh, I know that some of you have wondered, are there any women on the list? There better be. There better be. Okay. Buckle down. We've got two of them tonight. Two whose lives intersected. And we are going to take a close look at their legacy. Both of them. Um, and so I'm, I'm conscious. Tom, I think I owe you 10 minutes from last week that you'll never see again. Um, but uh, uh, I'm, we'll do our best. All right? Uh, I want to tell you about these two women. On, on my list, they'll be number nine and eight. Um, they probably ought to be higher, but uh, we got some others when we get up higher. Um, but these two knew each other well, and even though they were not related, their paths crossed in a, um, in, in, in a remarkable way doesn't say it. Their paths crossed in, in literally a, um, a, a, a supernatural kind of fashion. I want to tell you first the story of Phoebe. Phoebe. We know the story of Phoebe well. Okay? Um, let, and, and let me start it this way. Um, and then, you, and then you'll, uh, as we go, you'll gradually see how their two paths are going to intersect. Uh, I want to start right where I left off last week when uh, Paul had all the trouble with the Corinthian church. Remember that? Okay? And uh, things got so bad, so bad that, that uh, he, he wanted to write them an angry letter, but he was afraid to deliver it himself. It was that bad. So who came to the rescue? Titus. Titus. Titus came. He called Titus to come and deliver the letter. Titus took the letter and took it where? Where did he deliver it to? Corinth, the city of Corinth. Okay, that was the, where the problem of the church was. Okay, delivered to, to Corinth and waited for Titus to return to tell him how the letter went over. He was scared to death. And then finally, Titus came with what kind of news? Good news. Good news. Things are getting fixed. Uh, Titus reported. And at that point, what did Paul do? Quickly, he, he made, he didn't write another letter. Oh yes, yes he did. He wrote, he, he wrote them second. <coughs> I said it wrong. He wrote them Second Corinthians, and then after a little bit of time, uh, he made a third trip back, which was a happy trip because things had gotten fixed. You remember that? Now that's in our that page I gave you last week. Okay, uh, he uh, he made a happy trip, and in Corinth he stayed on that happy trip for three months. Because at that point, he was looking ahead to a trip to Rome. That's where he wanted to go. And Corinth is not far from Rome. So he's getting ready now to, to make a, a trip to Rome, which will be a happy one. And he's going to stay for a year and a half. But in order to prepare for the trip, he, has to, he decides to write a letter. Now, he's never been to Rome. All right, now, he knows a lot of people there because there are people on his, out on his trips. Um, uh, who, who travel to Rome and back, and so he does know people in Rome, but he's also got friends in Rome who kind of 
uh, introduces him to various people in the Roman community and the Roman church. Uh, but he wants to write a, a letter to the church in Rome because he, it's, it's the most uh, important city in the world already. And, and he needs that church's help, not just in the city of Rome, but because he's already got his eye on going beyond Italy over into Spain. So he spends the three months writing his letter. What letter will it be? It will be the letter to the churches in Rome, Romans. Those three letters, he, uh, those three, uh, uh, um, what's my word, what's my word? Do you do, do, do that? Letters or three? That, that wasn't the right word. Age takes its toll. Okay. Um, I, I can't even keep track of my paper. Um, so, so we are uh, going to write a letter to the church in Rome. Okay. Now, we know a good deal about, we have the letter. Uh, I'm, I want you to turn to Romans 16, the last chapter. Now, two people intersect over this letter. Romans chapter 16. Here's the way chapter 16 begins. Paul writes, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Now, we meet Phoebe there. What's Phoebe there for? What has she, what causes Paul to write that? Our translations are very bad, but we're going to talk about that. Um, why does Paul commend Phoebe to the church in, churches in Rome? Huh? Okay, let's uh, let's pin it let's pin it down a little farther. Well, it says in my Bible here that she was a deaconess. She is, but uh, that's not why she's mentioned here. Um, Paul is saying to the church, "I want you to receive her well because she has something for you." And what does she have for them? the most important letter that Paul will ever write. She is the deliverer of the letter. Of Romans. Of Romans. Okay? And Paul is, in effect, asking them to, re to receive her as the one who is carrying precious cargo. The most important letter that Paul will write is the letter to the church in Rome. Now, let's back up. Which presumes, uh, do we know where Paul is writing this letter? Actually, actually, we do. And the reason I started where I did is because where do we have Paul now staying? Huh? Where did we get Paul back to? Corinth. We got him back to Corinth. Okay? And that's where he spends three months, and while he's there for three months during the winter, he writes the letter. All right? Now, he is going to stay at the house of Gaius. We know that from the letter. We know where Gaius lives. He lives in the community called Sencria. 
Sencria. Sencria is, um, Corinth is right here. Sencria is the harbor town at Corinth. It's sort of like Santa Monica to LA. Okay? You can't tell when you move from one to the other, but they have different names. Okay? It's, the, it's, the, uh, it's the harbor village uh, uh, at Corinth. And um, who else is from Sencria? Phoebe. Phoebe is from Sencria. So we've got Gaius, and Paul's going to stay with Gaius. And Paul now is going to begin work on the letter. That'll take three months. And the person that we know by, by all of the evidence of putting the pieces of it together who is going to work right, two people are going to work right beside him while he writes the letter. One is Phoebe. We'll talk about who she is in a minute. And then the second one is the young man that Phoebe apparently hires as the amanuensis, the, the copier of the letter. His name is Hershius. And he identifies himself in chapter 16. If you go down to the bottom of it, you'll, you'll see him write, I, Circeus, have written this letter. You're welcome very much, or something like that. You, you see what I'm talking about? Well, he's down there. He's down there at the bottom. Yeah. Huh? yeah, verse 22. That's where he is. Okay, now... Yeah, the writer of this letter. The hardest thing in the world in this time period was to find a good mail delivery system. There was a Roman, there was an official, which only handled official mail. So if you wanted to send a letter from one point X to point Y, how did you have to do it? You had to get somebody that you trusted to take it for you. Okay, and uh, now we're talking scrolls. Okay, that's the, that's the uh, currency of the time. Okay. Uh, you wrote a letter on a, on, on a sheet, if it was a very short note, or you wrote a letter on a scroll that had to be rolled up. Um, and how did you, how would you? You got to get there and get it to, to the right address, and addresses don't exist. Uh, you got to make sure that you get it there without somebody losing it, or leaving it out in the rain and getting it damaged. You better have somebody you really trust to do this. Because this is a hard job. If you read in ancient literature, there are more complaints about trying to send letters from one city to another than most any other thing. And, and the, particularly when, uh, when you had a choice of going land or sea, land always took a lot longer but the chance of being held up and losing everything on the way were very high. And if you got on the sea, um, you probably would get there, but there would be all sorts of other problems. Um, and Paul, who has now written what he knows at the time, is, is this incredibly important message that he wants to get to, the, to this church. In, he needs the Romans, so he needs this letter to open the door for him. You know, what that, how, you know what that's like to write something like that. Okay? I want them to like me on the other end. I want them to realize that what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is God's work. This is, this is what we're about. 
If you were looking for somebody to deliver it, what would you look for? Well, a woman. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why he chose a woman, because people might be looking for a man and he chose a woman. Kind of slight. Well, you, you're going to choose somebody that you really trust. Yeah. Somebody who understands how important it is. Uh, somebody who will guard it with their very life because that's important. And somebody, when the tur you turn loose of it, you know, somehow you know it's going to get to the right place. Joe, let me ask a question. When he gave this to Phoebe to take to Rome, did he make an extra copy just in case? I mean, well, <laughs> something happened, you know? I mean, uh, he, he, uh, the evidence is that he probably made, hey, Tertius, yeah. that's, why, that's what he's hired for, okay? Probably made about a half a dozen copies. Oh, bless it. And it's not because they might, it's not because they might lose one, yeah. It's because when he gets to the other end, there's not just one church in Rome. Mm -hmm. There are about six house churches that we know of that are pretty good size. And if you go down the list in Romans 16, you can see that they are, you can see the names of some of them. Okay? Um, and so, uh, as far as we can tell, at this point, there is no big First, first Baptist Church of Rome. doesn't exist. Okay? And, so, and so the one thing that Paul probably doesn't want to happen is for one letter to be carried to the next, to be carried to, you want to destroy the letter, this is a, this is a way to do it. So, so probably there are a half a dozen copies uh, in, the, in what, what's called in the Greek the membrana, membrana which is the membrane sac that is, is waterproof. And it's going to be the carrying bag for the letters. Chances are Tertius goes with them, probably hired to travel with her and to make sure the bags get where they're supposed to be and things like that. So we're, the, the point is this, it's no big deal, but, but writing a letter in Corinth and getting it safely to the right people in Rome is, was no small undertaking, okay? And to entrust this to Phoebe is a... Totally remarkable thing. Absolutely remarkable thing. Now, there's probably a bigger reason for, for entrusting it to Phoebe. And, and it is this. Phoebe was with Paul, probably. He's probably at her house in Sencrea. Um, and she is with him during the entire composition process. And what's he probably doing as he knocks off a paragraph? Having her check it. Oh, absolutely. And probably reading it to her. We'll talk about Phoebe a little bit more in just a minute. Okay? Uh, reading it to her, and what's he going to do along the way? He's going to ask, so did that make sense to you? And what's she going to say? Paul, no, not a word. Let's redo that. I think I know what you're getting at. I think you can say it better. <laughs> Just like Paul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you didn't know I knew Phoebe, did you? Uh, and, uh, <laughs> which basically means this. When, he, when the letter arrives in Rome, and it's here, and Phoebe has it, okay? 
who is going to read it to the group? Phoebe. Phoebe is going to read it to the group. And I don't know if you've read Romans or not. Do you have any questions about Romans? Oh, yeah. Questions. Yes, yes. Okay, so after we read about half of it, does anybody have any questions now? Do you think there are any yes to the questions? Who has to answer the questions? And fortunately, she has been well coached by Paul in what it means and what it says. And Phoebe, tell them for me. Now, can you, can you, you see how the process is going to kind of take place here? Where, where in this process, um, remarkably, Phoebe is going to, can we say it this way? Phoebe is going to be the first one who is a commentator on the meaning of Romans. That's really something. Okay? Isn't it possible that in that day and time she didn't know how to read or write? Oh, many of the people. That's why it has she to be. She may not have been able to do all that. Well, Phoebe could. We know Phoebe is well educated. How do you know that? Well, we'll let's let's get let's get to that. Let's get to the, let's get to the, what the, it says about Phoebe. Okay, we know a number of things about Phoebe, and uh, not just from these texts, even though these texts are very helpful to us. Um, um, uh, Phoebe is uh, uh, has come from Rome. Uh, probably grew up there. Probably was educated. Uh, and um, uh, left Rome. We're not sure when she left Rome. We, we know when various paths cross. The dates are sometimes hard to put on them. But uh, Phoebe has uh, made her way. Uh, the, the terms, what we're dealing with are what I just read to you uh, about uh, Phoebe from the first uh, three, first two uh, verses of uh, chapter 16. There are some very important words in there that do not translate well, or at least translators are slightly frightened of, and they are the words that we need. Okay? Um, Phoebe is, let's, let, let me take, let me take I'm, I want to focus on two. I'm watching time. Focus on two words. Uh, the first of these words is this word. Uh, now, some of you know what that's, that word is. Diakonos. Diakonos. That's the word diakonos. This is a D-I-A-K-O-N-O-S. Diakonos. Those are the Greek letters. Uh, but you need to know that this is the word that's there. When you, uh, <coughs> This is a word that isn't translated deacon. Because it is the word deacon. You, you see what I mean? So when we anglicize it, we transliterate it. you know that word? It's not a translation, because that's not, deacon is not the translation of that word. The, the translation of that word, two things you need to know about this. Uh, uh, this is the word that's applied to Phoebe in the first two verses of chapter 16. She is called a diakonos of the church in where? Centria. Centria, the one out at near the... Uh, out near the uh, the uh, beach, okay, um, and this is the Phoebe is the only one. You're going to find this hard to believe, so you have to go check it for yourself, okay? Because 
Phoebe is the only one in the New Testament who is called one of these. Only person in the New Testament. I know you know all about seven deacons in the book of Acts. Never are they called diakonoi. They are called other things. Helpers is the right word for what they are called. But it's not this. Phoebe's the only one who is given the name. And even though it is this ending on the word, which is essentially masculine, you can read there in the opening verses of chapter 16, but this is the name of an office, not the work one does. This is not the word deaconess. She is called a deacon of, and if you read it, you'll see it says, deacon of the church of Sencrea. Okay? Now, the reason that's important is because... Um, What we're going to try to figure out is, so what is she? What are we calling her here? All right? And that takes us to the second word. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm sorry, I, there's nothing wrong with you seeing a Greek word up here. Okay? Because uh, you could get your own little Greek New Testament out and see that that's the word that's there. Even though your English one may not help you a lot with this. I understand that. The other word... I'm going to show it to you, okay, because it is in verse 2 as well, referring to Phoebe. And the word is, it's in, it's, it's, let's see, which verse is it in? It's right at the end of verse 2. The word is this. Uh, P-R-O-S-T-A-T-I-S. Prostasis or stasis. Uh, now, you know enough about language, I know you do, to know what the word PRO means when we use it in front of a word. What's it mean? Think of words. Promote. Pro. We got lots of them. For it. Lots of them. Means to stand in front. Somebody right. is pro this, you are with this. Yeah, right. Okay? Yeah. Pro. Pro means front. Okay? Stasis is the word for stand. Stand in front. See, see, see what I mean? This is what the word always means. And it appears in a, in a hundred forms in the New Testament. And the best single, uh, this is the person who stands in front, prostasis. Um, the, the best, uh, you know the best translation you can put on this? And you can see this translation in a hundred ways in the New Testament. Once you start looking for this word, you see it everywhere. And this is the word that means the one who stands in front. Okay? You follow me? Now. The translators in most of our things call her the helper. That is a, um, that is a blatant, out-and-out out prevarication. <laughs> Benefactor is going to be... The other use that this word gets is, and some of you may have this translation. That's what yours says, isn't it, Michael? Benefactor. Some of you may see the word patron here. Because this word also was used to talk about patronage, or a person who was a... Patron. You know what a patron is? Sure, you, you do. What's, a, what's somebody's patron? 
Promoter. 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 Financial. Yeah, somebody who supports the work in a financial sort of way. Um, and from all we know, um, the, the, both of these meanings, this one and this one, uh, are applicable to Phoebe. Now, the question is, uh, uh, to when, when Paul says in verse 2, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and give her any help she may need from you, for she has been, and it says great help, but what Paul says with these words is, that's where this word appears. Paul is literally saying, for she has been a leader and a patron to me. And he not only says to lots of people, but then do you see the words where he adds, and also to me. Who's paying the bills for these trips and these deliveries and all of that? She is. She is playing the role of patron to Paul. Um, uh, and, and not only that, but uh, Paul, I think, envisions that uh, he's going to get to go to Spain after all because now he has somebody to help him get there. A patron. Now, in the church in Sencria, and this is, this is I, I understand, this is kind of hard for us to think about. But if when you, when you kind of look at this as though you've never seen it before, you realize what Paul has just told people at the end of this Romans letter, that the woman who's carrying the letter is the <coughs> leader of the church of Sancria. You, you see that? Not, not a helper. Not a helper. That's somebody who wants to kind of come make sure this mess, this doesn't get out too far. Right? Because we have a very important woman on our hands here. Do, do, does that make does that make sense to you to see that? Um, uh, uh, Phoebe has never gotten her just due. Um, and the role that she plays, we do know. We do know that, um, that uh, she stays in Rome for a long time. Um, some scholars believe that once she arrived, um, that she would make periodic trips back to Corinth and to Sancria, but uh, she became so enamored, and I'll tell you why in just a minute, so enamored with the people of Rome that it kind of became her home base. Um, uh, to, the, to the point where um, uh, when, when the persecution broke out, we said last week in the 60s when Nero, you know, you know the Nero stories, don't you? Uh, when Nero became emperor, the Christians, it, things had been pretty, pretty light on the Christians until Nero. Um, there were some bad spots, but when Nero came in the mid-60s, um, the Christians had to, had to flee. And what, uh, what we actually believe is that, um, that Phoebe uh, finally deciding to leave uh, 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 not knowing where she wanted to go, but she decided not to go back home. Uh, and where she actually turns up is in Jerusalem. She went back, went back. We're not sure she was even there until she made the trip back. There are all sorts of references to her uh, 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 doing important things. Um, um, we know that, uh, 
What does this tell us? The, the word patron, what does this tell us about her, for one thing? Well, she's got money. She's got the where, wherewithal. And she appears to give it to the church. And one of the reasons that she appears to have chosen Jerusalem is because, if you, if you remember, we kind of alluded to this last week, um, the church in Jerusalem uh, fell on absolute, the hardest times imaginable because the Romans were absolutely intent on destroying the city, which they did between 68 and 70. But after that, this, the city uh, tried to make a comeback. And it was then that people like, uh, like Phoebe appear to have gone there, uh, I think we can actually say wealth in hand, just to try to help out with what was going on in the revival of Jerusalem. Yeah, any, any, our time, time is such a factor. Um, uh, any quest comments about Phoebe? I'm convinced that she was. Say it again. Have any idea how old she was? Not really. Not really. Um, uh, the the evidence of travel to me would suggest she's not very old. When when Paul she was healthy yeah, and able. To. Yeah, that she's able to do this. My guess is, you know, the older she gets, the less Paul is going to say, you know, would you like to make this very tough trip for me? Yeah. So I think she's relatively young. And the evidence is that she, she does live quite a, a long time here, past this. Uh, there's a reference to her in 90, which would, which would put her, you know, um, I would guess in 70s or late 60s, 70s, someplace along in there. So she's not very old. Um, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Was she originally Jewish and somebody that found me? Absolutely. And uh, uh, Paul met her when he went to Corinth. Because where does she live? Right outside of Corinth. The interesting thing is, she's not a member of what church? Or the, the church that Paul ends up dealing with. Well, she, she, she's not in the Corinthian church. Remember when we watch 1st and 2nd Corinthians, starts having trouble in that church. She's not in that church. She's in the church outside of town. And I think that was Paul's saving grace. He could go and spend time there and be away from, you know what? Yeah, you see that? You see that? Uh, and I think that's what I think that's what's going on here. Was she likely to got her money? Probably, probably. She appears to have been a widow. Uh, else, how could she have just kind of picked up and here we go? Uh, there's a lot of things like that. One of the interesting things is that in about the fourth century. Um, in excavations around the Mount of Olives, in fact, in Jerusalem. Um, uh, they found a number of those, um, they kind of look like tombstones, June, but I think they were called steles. Is that, is that, am I thinking the right word? Yeah, It's a kind of a monument, more memorial, uh, in, in a sense. And, and one of them has this wonderful inscription. Uh, which uh, and I think uh, I think the woman's name that's on it is um, uh, um, I want to say uh, Silva or something like that, and it's a monument to Silva, and it the monument then says in Latin the, a second Phoebe, yeah. which 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 was not uncommon to be called some a name a second of somebody who had lived before you. Was, was viewed in, by the Romans as a great honor because you are sharing the reputation. Well, that would probably say more about Phoebe 
to us than whoever that other woman was. But it's things like that that tell us where she is and the kind of reputation she developed. Uh, there, the, the evidence suggests to me, without working too hard at it, that she may have played a major role in kind of the refurbishing of Jerusalem after the destruction by the Romans in 70. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, let me tell you the second, let me tell you the second story. Okay, the other, the other woman. Um, the other woman is in, I told you they were going to meet. All right, chapter 16, verses 3 and 4 and 5. Here we go. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet the church that meets at their house. There she is. The famous Priscilla. Luke calls her Priscilla. What does Paul call her? Prisca. Prisca. Prisca the Latin form, the Roman form, Prisca. Uh, every time you see in, in, in her name uh, in uh, Paul's letters, it's Prisca, but it's Priscilla in, when, in Acts that Luke writes. Same person. Prisca. Uh, um, what do you say? P-R-I-S-C-A. Yeah. That's what I have in mind. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the version. Okay, Prisca. And Aquila, they're married. Um, we, we hear them referred to six or seven times in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament. And the first one or two times, Aquila's name is first. Meet uh, Aquila and uh, his wife. What's your name? Oh, Priscilla. Meet Priscilla. Yeah. Um, every time after that, it's Priscilla and Aquila. What's that tell you? She emerges as one of the truly great people of the New Testament, the era, and uh, and I'm going to push this on you a little bit. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to surprise you a little, um, and you're free to challenge me if you wish. Good luck. <laughs> I don't believe I said that. <laughs> Bring it home. <laughs> uh, quickly, the story. The story of these two. Okay? Uh, the, Priscilla is uh, grows up in Rome. We're going to focus on her. Now, uh, this, they aren't hard to. They aren't hard to. Uh, I've been around enough young students getting married with each other to, you know, to advise a lot of young women. You know about uh, the guy they've got in mind and things like that um, to know what this situation is. This situation is that we have a a very hardworking, highly skilled artisan in Aquila, who's a tent maker of the highest order, and Priscilla helps out when she needs to. But Priscilla is brains personified. She's a, she studies, she is smart, uh, she is, um, uh, well, let me, let me tell you how smart she is, okay? Um, because uh, uh, when we get to the church, they will come together, 
but you get quickly, you get the, the understanding that Priscilla is the one who is going to make a mark on the church. Aquila will, will see that everything is taken care of around the edges and be the loyal, one hardworking husband, but he will always, I'm convinced, defer to she needs the, she's the one you need to talk to. You, you, you follow what I'm saying, okay? Um, because there's no other way to understand this was not proper to put her name before his. And yet it is, it is accepted here. It's common. And every time it appears after those first two or so, when Paul meets them, it's uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Okay? And that's, uh, that's deliberate. That's exactly what it's for. Now, they, um, uh, they are thrown out of Rome. Uh, the emperor in 49, uh, uh, there, the, there was a very large Jewish population of Rome during, uh, in the time of Jesus and after Jesus. A lot of Jews in Rome. And, and uh, during Pentecost and times like that afterwards, a lot of the Jews would come to Jerusalem for Passover and so forth and remember Pentecost. They heard the stories of Jesus and then went back home. So all of a sudden now, you've got two different groups of Jews in Rome. Those who were talking about Christus, the new, the Messiah, and those who weren't. And the Jews were squabbling and finally the, the emperor says, enough with you all, out and literally uh, expelled the Jews from Rome. The year was 49 when he did that. Um, and so they scattered, they scattered, they went, they went everywhere. Uh, Aquila and Priscilla, uh, uh, when they fled, they ended up in what city? <coughs> they ended up in Corinth. Corinth was kind of a favorite. Now they're going from here to here, okay? They end up in Corinth. So um, set up business. And uh, obviously become part of the church. They are they are the Christian ones over here. Okay, uh, become part of the church here in Corinth or Sincrea. We we have reason to think maybe they weren't in Corinth itself, but we're in Sincrea. Um, and then Paul comes through. Okay, Paul on that second missionary trip leaves Athens and goes to for the first time to Corinth. Who's he meet for the first time? Aquila and Priscilla. Paul. Paul has a background in tent making. He and Aquila hit it off pretty well with the tent stuff. And the next thing you know, Aquila and Priscilla have said, come live with us. Okay? Now, what we know about uh, Priscilla is that she also has grown up in Rome. Okay? In a, Jewish, in a Jewish community. But it was not unusual for many of these communities in these great cities for the people to be well-to-do. And she has every sign like... Uh, uh, like Phoebe does, of being uh, from a very well-to-do family. The kind of well-to-do family that's Jewish and puts a very high premium on what? Education. Education. And she becomes highly educated. We can tell that from a number of things. Okay? Um, uh, and, and more that uh, you may not know that she knows that uh, we'll talk about this in a little, in just a few minutes. Um, highly educated. And not only that, but the kind of person who just seems to, to take to knowledge. Okay? We've, you, you, you've all been around the university and the university community in different ways. And you, you know that a lot of people like that. They do find them, their way to places like this. Okay? Uh, learning is what life is all about. Um, we wouldn't be having this class if that were not the case. Uh, you all are in that group. 
Well, here's a, here's a woman who is not only highly educated, but, but is, uh, uh, seems to soak up knowledge. And not only that, but she appears to be well-educated in the Roman system. She knows the philosophers. Okay? She, knows, uh, 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 she knows Greek philosophy. She also is an expert, we will discover, in Jewish history. Not unusual. Uh, not that there's a lot of people who work, but the fact is that it's not unusual that you would have a woman who would, you could say that about. Well, Priscilla is one of those. Now, um, why is she going to invite Paul? She's here. She's now getting acquainted with Paul. She understands easily who he is. What does she want him, why does she invite him to, him to come and stay with them? Why would you think she'd want something to come and stay with them? No, she, she, sees, she sees a chance here. And Paul is going to stay almost two years with them. Look it up. It's in there. Almost two years. Now, as far as Priscilla's concerned, my goodness, this, I mean, life does not get better than this. Okay? We'll take care of you, Paul. We, we, here's what we want in return. And Aquila's out back saying, yeah, he's got to help me with the tents every now and then, too. Don't forget that. Um, but, but the idea is that that's the background of, of what we're dealing with here. Now, a lot goes, a lot happens, okay? And essentially what happens is after the two years, um, uh, Paul decides it's time to go back to Jerusalem. So he takes off and he's going to come, they're going to make the trip across. They're going to land right there in, in Ephesus. Actually, they're going to stop, uh, they've already been in Corinth. Paul's going to pick them up in Corinth. I think that, I'm, my mind's jumping ahead here. Uh, he's with them in Corinth for two years. And then they're going to head for Jerusalem, which is over here, which means they're going to ride across to Ephesus, which is right there. And, and they're going to stop there. And Paul then is going to travel on to here, and they are going to stay in Ephesus. They're not coming on the rest of the trip. So they stay behind in Ephesus. And now, Paul is gone for a year. Now, a year later, he's going to head back across to Ephesus. But in the meantime, right there in Ephesus... Um, a, a young man is going to show up in Ephesus. He's going to have come from right there. Alexandria. This is Egypt here. Alexandria. And he's going to ride the boat across and land right... Ephesus is a big port. Ephesus is a big city. Who is it? Who, who is it that shows up? What is it? I know I what do I know what you mean? <laughs> Apollos arrives. Apollos arrives. Out of the blue. There's no phones. Okay? And Apollos is a Christian from Alexandria. Now later we're going to talk about how do you get to be a Christian in Alexandria. That's another story. Okay? He arrives here. And they discover that what's he good at? Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's quite the orator, actually. And not only that, uh, uh, turn to, in your Bible to one other place. Let's go to Acts. Let's go to the story, which is in Acts 18 in Corinth. Can I have until 6.15? Is that okay? Because yeah. I want to get, get through this. Um, Acts 18. Paul left Athens, went to Corinth, okay? He met, uh, 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 let me skip through, skip through. Um, 
Verse 24. Let's go there. Find it? Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a... Now, listen to him. This is no slouch, okay? Now, he's young. He can't be more than 23, 24, probably his early 20s. Um, uh, he was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the ways of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. Accurately. Knowing only the baptism of John, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila, what order are we in there? Okay, that tells you who the teacher is. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of the Lord more adequately. Now, um... <coughs> If you want to know exactly what they talked about, it's down here at the start of verse 19. And the writer Luke puts it in here close because it helps to understand what he's just said about Apollos. Because he's going to tell us about another group that didn't know about baptism. When Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at, at Ephesus. Then he found some disciples... He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, I, I tell you that because that's there to kind of explain uh, what uh, Apollos was all about, okay? And um, uh, how good was Apollos when he arrived? Well, he was good. <clears throat> Boy, could, could you actually describe him any better? Um, except... Um, the only thing he knew to preach was what he had learned from the Old Testament, that, that there was a Messiah, and the Messiah had come, and the Messiah was Jesus. And he performed miracles, and he did that kind of stuff. He knows nothing about salvation, baptism, Holy Spirit, none of that. Nobody's ever told him that. Okay? And... Um, in other words, he's got the basic stuff down. That's why the word accurately is there. But what is he missing? He has no theological understanding that carries it the rest of the way. He knows, the, he knows nothing about the meaning of things. Does, does that make sense to say it that way? You know what's always impressed me, Joe? That he was a young guy yeah. and probably pretty full of himself. Man, I've got the gift. And then when these people talked to him, he accepted it. He did. He could have said, what is, who are you? You're you know? absolutely correct. But it, I, absolutely that's what's always right. impressed me about Absolutely that. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's Priscilla who takes him the rest of the way. Okay? Now, uh, Jim, the answer to me is, why would he agree to all of that if he didn't perceive what? If they were wrong. <laughs> well, yeah. now he's meeting Priscilla. Yeah, right, yeah. Okay? Yeah. 
and and he understands what? She's pretty smart. She's. <laughs> Thank you. That's exciting. She's pretty smart, and uh, and she's got it all. She's got it all. He's the genuine article, and she knows that, mm -hmm. and she invests in him, and Jim is absolutely right. His openness to it is to his utter credit. Especially how young he was. Yeah, how young he was, yeah, yeah. and the yeah, fact that he is one. taking this from a woman. Yes. Um, now, what I'm saying to you is this. We're getting an idea of how smart Priscilla actually is and how much she actually knows. You with me? Um, and now, to cut the story short, I got two things I want to hit on first, okay? And, and that is after we learn about Priscilla and her intelligence, which to me is beyond our ability to comprehend. I'll tell you why. Um, uh, Paul, Paul continues, Paul comes back to Ephesus, finds out all of this, continues to move around. Some point in this process, they go back to Rome. Probably by, the, by 55, 56, 57, uh, Priscilla and Aquila return to Rome. Can't keep her away too long, okay? Particularly if she thinks it's at all safe. Or if things are going on and she's left out. I know that feeling, okay? I want in, I want in. And she's that kind of person. So what happens is that we skip forward, and now Paul has written the book of Romans, the, that long, wonderful letter. And he probably knows that they're back in Rome. Um, and probably makes an effort to find out, to verify it, and does verify it. And so when Paul writes then the letter to Rome, that's being carried by Phoebe. What's verse 3 say? At the other end, waiting to receive the letter, is who? Is Priscilla. Now, guess who's going to get up in front of the collected body of house churches? There are some scholars who believe that this is the moment when all of the churches, all of those house churches, probably met together for the first time because they have a letter from the apostle they've only heard about, never met. And who's standing in front of them to deliver the letter? Phoebe and Priscilla. They know each other. But can you imagine these two dynamic women, smartest people in the room? Now they're going to talk about what Paul said in the letter. We've got it. You can read it. Uh, it it's, a, it's a remarkable phenomenon. Now, what do we know about uh, Phoebe? Um, we know that, uh, that Aquila... Uh, Phoebe, I said it backwards. Uh, uh, what do we know about Priscilla? First thing we know is this, that, um, that when the Nero persecutions hit, uh, there were a lot of Christians who stayed in Rome and went underground. They hit the catacombs and places like that to try to escape. You are, you've, you've read the end of Acts. You, you know the, the, how does Acts, the book of Acts end? Yeah, but at the end, it just 
it cuts off. Yeah, it is, yeah. You know, you know that. Yeah. Um, we don't know what happens to anybody. Okay? Now, the the best argument you can make <coughs> is that at that point Nero is looking for Christians, and if Paul or if Luke's uh, history of what's gone on starts to circulate, what had Luke better not not give away? Not only not where they're hiding, but who they are. Yes, the, you, you do not make a list of, here are the leaders of the church right now, because all the, all, the, 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 all the emperor needs is to know who they are. And so you can make a very good case for the fact that the end of Acts goes silent at the very moment that the Christians are, the leading Christians are starting to go into hiding. Because we know there's a lot of them in Rome. Look at the list in 16. Look at it. I mean, there's a lot of names there. See? And these are important people. Okay. Now for... I'm going to find out how brave I am. All right? I have... Uh, I, I, uh, at 73, I've worked on this stuff for a long, long time. And you, you develop opinions about things when you study it, when you focus hard and read something over and over again and so forth. One of the, one of the questions that, that scholars, in effect, many scholars have just given up and say, we'll never know, we don't know who did it. Nobody knows who wrote the book, the letter that we call Hebrews. Nobody knows. Paul did not write. It couldn't be Paul. It's not, it doesn't even sound like it. Uh, it's not Paul's vocabulary, it's not the way he thinks, it's not his theology, it's an unusual philosophy. It's an unusual uh, theology that has some, some Greek philosophy in it, as well as an enormous amount of Jewish history. It also has a lot about the equality of the sexes, if you want to read it there. Let me read something and see if, you, see if it sounds at all familiar to you from Hebrews. It's chapter 6. Listen to this. Um, we have much to say about I, I'm reading now from chapter 5, verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain to you, he, uh, the writer is saying to readers, because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Let us not lay again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, but of faith in God. The instructions about baptisms, the laying one of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal life, and, God permitting, we will do so. It's like what she taught Apollos. No, it's not Apollos. Because whoever this is, there's enough cues. This is a person who has to know about things in Rome. Apollos was never there. That was what no, saying. I said it sounds like what Priscilla taught. Oh, I, I misunderstood you. I just heard the word Apollos. The reference to the infant and the feeding 
sans female. Absolutely, it does. And what did uh, what did Priscilla instruct Apollos about? Baptism, the Holy Spirit, maturity. And I picked just one piece. There are several. Um, if Apollos had written this, or Paul had written this, how, <clears throat> what would come very, the very first thing in, uh, in the letter? Huh? Yeah. I wrote this. I wrote this. <laughs> Apollos would say, a letter from Apollos. Thank you very much. I've been wanting to write to you all. So Paul sends greetings. I mean, you know, there is no opening on this letter. There may have been when it went into circulation, it probably was removed. You, as you read it, you have a feeling like you're starting with the second paragraph. Would she have written all of that Old Testament history? Oh, she probably, she probably knew that. She knew it, but how would that fit in with archaeology? The book is written from Rome to Ephesus. We can tell there are signs that that's the case. To Ephesus. Now, does she know about Ephesus? Yes, they've lived there. A couple of years, actually. So she knows the, 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 the people there. Um, and what's happening is this. We think this is written late, uh, uh, toward 100. That's one reason it's hard to date, is because it appears to be later. Um, and uh, 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 what, what many good scholars think is that there are a lot of Jewish Christians here, as we get toward 85 and 90 and on toward 100, are starting to think what? I mean, things are rough. And they're starting to think, eh, maybe Christ hasn't returned yet. Maybe we've misunderstood something. Maybe, we've, maybe we need to go back. That there is a, a kind of what, we had a name for it. What is, what is that? Buyer's remorse. We, we got, is, is, that a, is that a fair way to think about this? Because when you read it, it's a plea that everything in the Old Testament says the coming of Christ was indeed what we were waiting for all along. That's what the book is about. Okay? It's about Christ as the <coughs> high priest. Um, and it's the, it's the retelling of the Hebrew story with Christ at the centerpiece of it. And you read it that way, and it's a brilliant piece of writing. Uh, and then you get things like the, uh, 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 growing up on milk and not meat. And, and you, now, granted, when you read our English versions, you find some he's and him's, uh, some, some masculine things. But, it's, uh, but we know there's a long history of male translators deciding to fix mistakes that writers probably made. Because when you read this, you realize you're reading something remarkably different. I am one of those who believes that Priscilla, Prisca, wrote Hebrews. And her brilliance... Hebrews is one of the most exciting books in the New Testament. We don't read it very often because it's kind of foreign to us. But once you get the kind of argument she's making, and then what's classic chapter 11 all about? 
by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And there are three or four women in the list. Old Testament people didn't do that. By faith, Rahab, the harlot, <laughs> did what she did. Holy cow. Uh, um, my friends, um, I'm asking you to, to read Hebrews a little bit. <laughs> See what you think, okay? Um, Priscilla, we know this. She had the ability to do it. And we also know she probably had the motivation to do it. And if she's the one who left us Hebrews, she will be one I would like to talk to in a couple of years when I cross that great divide. Sit down and chat about we'll, that. We'll, we'll, uh, any, 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 uh, uh, Eddie, please say something. Talk, talk back here a little. We got three minutes. Say that again. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I think the more we learn about it, the more fun it gets. More fun it gets. How widespread is that view, Chair? Say that again. How widespread is that? Is that view? Mm -hmm. um, uh, it it uh, was uh, introduced by a famous uh, theologian, actually, for the first time in 1900. His name was Adolf Harnack, great German theologian, who read this and said, "This can't be anybody but but her." And, and there are a number of women theologians, really good ones, uh, who are picking this up, have been carrying it along. Um, uh, and, um, uh, and most males who are resistant to this um, simply throw up their hands. We know it isn't Paul, could be Barnabas. Couldn't be Barnabas because Barnabas, there are things that are in it that Barnabas doesn't qualify for. Same is true with Apollos. Uh, if you haven't been to Rome, you're not going to be able to write this because there's too much Roman, uh, there's too much too many inferences about Rome in it. So it's sort of like, and this is the way it's done, okay, where you try to create, they've got to do this, they've got to do this, they've got to do this, they've got to know this, they've got to know this. Now, who do we know that does all of those things? And when you start clicking them off, as one of the female theologians say, it's, it's either... It's, it either has to be Prisca or somebody exactly like her. Okay, I can live with that. But I'll take A. Other comments before we quit? You know, I think why this fascinates people, I thought about this, Joe, while you were talking, especially in this 16th chapter of Romans, where you have so many names. Yeah. And these are the people that are in the shadows. And by, by, below those people were other people. We, we tend to think of the Christian faith as, well, there were these big stars, you know. But, and in a way, that fascinates us because, in one sense, that could be us. That's us. That's us. Yeah, you know, that's us. And, and we can maybe identify these ones that we've never heard of that did all this stuff. And, we, and, and it just comes to us, well... That could be me. I could be that kind of person. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Jim, to me, that's the motivation for you. Yeah, that's that's right. that, yeah. that we can appreciate our own roles in, in our Christian faith and our own roles in our church. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, we're a, we're a church like the Corinthian church, the church of Sincrea, and churches like that. That's that's us. That's us. Yeah. My Bible even says this prayer is one of the gods. It doesn't really? See? It's not as unusual to, to think this way as I, I let on. But uh, it still is... There still are some heavyweights who say it can't be. God wouldn't let that happen. <laughs> okay, now that I've stirred the water, let's have, let's have, let's have prayer together. God, thank you for such a, a wonderful chance to be together. Uh, these, great, uh, these great women from the past, it's almost as though we can hear them speaking to us over the years would be such fun to have them here in our midst standing here in front of us as they did at the church of rome that particular day when first they read the great letter that paul sent enrich our own faith as we contemplate theirs and realize that they are like us as jim says bless us this week in the name of christ Thank you, my friends.